the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. Deej calls in the air. Listless was a way to describe the stock market at times. Exciting is a way to talk about it at other times. Wealth accumulation is a way to talk about it. I kind of like to mix up the way I think about it, right? Something I think you should try to do as well on occasion. In large part, I think it'll serve you well if you start thinking of Wall Street um, as kind of a living thing. It's not a casino. That's the one thing I don't want you to think of it as. Could it be in the short term? Absolutely. Um, but be careful how you think about it. Um, in large part, I, I don't want the casino mentality there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Probably the number one thing that I wish more people would do is start focusing on their kids and money a little bit more. Not in a horrible way, but I live in the Bay Area, which is pretty affluent. Um, How do you educate kids about finances when there's too much money all around them, all around them? You know, if you're a middle-income family in Nebraska, you might be thinking, I get that one special vacation a year. I get that one Xbox a year, something along those lines. But in the Bay Area, there's just gross amounts of stock options and money just pouring out everywhere. Teaching your kids basic money concepts goes a really long way. Um, teaching them how to be responsible with money from an early age and actually helping them apply you know, important money habits are entirely different things. Getting your kid to make his bed for money seems kind of weird, but it's kind of a, one of those chores. It's a good start. There's plenty of teachable moments especially around the holidays and especially around birthdays. Um, One of the best things I think you can do if you want to have a kid who's financially savvy is march his butt down to the bank this weekend and open a bank account. Open a bank account gets to be kind of an exciting event for a kid. I'm not sure if they make them sign paperwork, but they'll probably go through that paperwork process, right? And think of how impressionable it is to you when you buy a house or you buy a car. How about buying a car? Come on. When you have to go sign paperwork, that person kind of puts you in their little room and they're kind of like wheeling and dealing with you. Uh, It's kind of a wonderful thing. So if you have a credit union, you could start using that as the first teachable moment where you're like, hey, here's our local credit union versus a bank. Um, Talk about, you know, the... They're in it to make money. They're kind of in it as more of a community thing, but they're also making money as well. So, um, you know, when you go into a bank, you can get a lollipop. 
I think they still have lollipops. Ooh. I know, right? Exciting. So when some banks um, open your first child's bank account, you can like, do things like every time they go in, if they go in five times, they get a stamp. And after five stamps, they get ice cream or something. Why am I rewarding kids with sugar? <laughs> I seem to have a problem there, right? But getting your kid to throw in a deposit is pretty awesome. And again, it just teaches a basic money concept of money coming in, money coming out. And you'll be on that concept for the rest of your life. I think you want to give your kids not only a bank account, but an opportunity to earn money. Um, I think you can have tasks on the refrigerator that says like making bed, 10 cents, reading book, 10 cents, and they could, you know, start accruing some money off. Yeah. I think that's part of the financial education is now not just managing the money that's coming in, dropping it off the bank, but earning money so you can drop off more money at the bank. So with all money habits, you have to start somewhere. And I think with kids, that's the best and most important place. Um, I like holding kids accountable. So um, I manage a kid's soccer team. And I can't tell you how many soccer balls I've saved from being lost. Um, and, you know, the first couple of times parents are like, they're good with it. But then they start going, that soccer ball is 14, 15, 16 bucks. And it starts to add up, right? And the parents start to get a little bit angry. Or how about the... Um, I could probably outfit a child for the rest of his life with how many shirts and, and bags, backpacks have been left. Um, it's crazy. How many water bottles and backpacks and um, athletic like well, warm-up jerseys um, that have been left. So hold them accountable. So if your kid you know, loses something, teach them that it takes money to replace that. Um, if they really want an Xbox, teach them that it takes 20 books at $2 or 40 books at $1 to get that Xbox game. Um, and then they'll start prioritizing in their head the money coming in, money coming out. So after your child earns money, I think it's critical to show them you know smart money decisions. Um, how much do you give to charity? How much do you put to savings? How much do you put to spending? Money categories can be whatever you want them to be. The point is to get your kids to establish smart money habits. Um, as early as possible, you know, I personally, if you get a chance to have a kid who gets birthday money, which it seems to be going out of fashion. I remember getting cards with envelopes stuffed with cash. Okay. Maybe it wasn't stuffed with cash. Maybe it's my childhood memory, but I remember getting like checks and stuff like that. And that's pretty cool. So it's something I, I highly recommend and endorse is that anytime there's that big money event, whether it be Christmas or Thanksgiving or particularly birthdays. I guess Thanksgiving isn't really gift giving holiday isn't. So um, but birthdays are definitely an area where you can get some money. So, but everyone seems to buy stuff now, or I guess gift cards too. So gift cards have kind of replaced that cash. Haven't they? So anyway, uh, a friend of mine has his child save one third, donate one third and spend one third. Oh, I was raised Catholic for about until about second, third grade. And we were taught like, Thought, if you have a, a bad thought, it's a sin. So thoughts were, you know, you were held accountable for. I was always like, well, how about if my thoughts are good and I want to give money to the church, but I don't give money to the church? Is that still counting as giving money to the church? And they're like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. So um, also, I think the final lesson that I want to pass on about kids is you got to let them make decisions. 
you can't make them for them forever. Um, so at some point in time, you know, you can give them a little bit of gentle guidance, but you have to let them spend money and you have to put them in, you know, difficult shopping situations where do you really want a Coca-Cola or do you want candy? I know you're saying, what's up with the sugar, Rob? Why are you pushing sugar on kids? Do you really want this Xbox game? Because you're only going to get one this year. Or do you want to wait for the other one that's coming out? So talk to children about money. I think uh, it'll empower them in a lot of ways. And I think uh, we'll take them far in life. Especially when you live in an area like the Bay Area, where there's just egregious amounts of money. Um, It ain't always going to be like that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Mondays and Thursdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I'm going to be talking stocks. My radio career is littered with Mostly successes, a couple failures, a couple stations that went under. <laughs> Not due to me, I hope. Be quiet. <laughs> quiet my head. Um, but the basic idea is there's successes and there's failures. And uh, I think my biggest success was on a national platform on a radio show called Stock Talk. Stock Talk with Rob Black. And I did it in the evenings from the East Coast, but it was done all across the nation. And it was 4 to 7 p.m. Uh, on the West Coast, which was drive time, and kind of got me in with the Bay Area and how smart the people were and how insightful. So I'm kind of honoring that by talking stocks on Mondays and Thursdays, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And there'll be replays of it and best ofs and things along those lines through the various shows that I do and don't do. Um, some shows that I don't do are like podcasts. So you can find those out there. You can always go to Apple.com or uh, their iTunes and look for Rob Black and Your Money. Rob Black and Your Money. It's it's there. So Amazon is a company that I want to talk a little stock talk right now with. A lot of brick and mortar retailers saw their stock slide after the company encroached further on their turf. Not only did they do Prime Day, but they they've started announcing some partnerships with companies like Nike and companies like Sears. And this is like Friday the 13th, part one, you know. Jason Voorhees uh, drowns in Crystal Lake and you know his mommy years later comes back and gets the count counselors because they were all snoozing on the job and sexing it up and stuff like that. So Jason Voorhees, it's Friday the 13th in the world of retail, right? Whether you're Macy's, whether you're Sears, whether you're JCPenney's. Um, and then it's like Friday the 13th part two. And then it's like Friday the 13th part three with Amazon. And then it's like Friday the 13th part four. Like Blue Apron comes public and they go, oh, we're going to do food delivery too, just like you guys do. Then it's like Friday the 13th part five. It's night, then it turns into Nightmare on Elm Street. Then it's Nightmare on Elm Street too. Nightmare. So Amazon is literally killing companies. Um, and there's terror out there. So Amazon announced that Sears, that they would sell some of Sears Kenmore appliances. And one thing that I love about Sears appliances, they typically come the next day or two, and they typically take your old appliance away. So you're not waiting two weeks for a washer. And if you've got kids, you don't wait two weeks for washers and dryers. Or if you do, you're at the laundromat, which I've often said, if you ever see me in a laundromat, I'll give you $10,000 cash as a surprise. Uh, look who's here kind of thing. Um, I've also said that about Radio Shack, and no one's ever seen me in a Radio Shack alive. Kind of like that Elvis sighting, very rare. 
So we've seen the movie before. We know the bad guys that some dame in distress is going to win. But the brick and mortar companies like Macy's and Kohl's, they're the first victim of online shopping for a lot of people. Now, retailers who once were thought of as immune, like O'Reilly Automotive uh, and Advanced Auto Parts, uh, the Pep Boys, they're getting attacked. You can get a headlight online, and it'll come the same day. Or you can go to uh, the, the store and get it, stand in line, try to use their catalog. Like, same thing, right? So when Amazon bought Whole Foods, people are like, well, maybe we'll get a little more groceries delivered. And uh, companies like Costco are seemingly immune. Uh, what we're learning is a lot of people who have a Costco membership also have an Amazon Prime membership. So nothing's really Amazon proof, it, it feels. Because a couple of years ago, we, we said that some of these companies were Amazon proof, but they're turning out not to be. The outsized, outside moves and appliance retailers, um, you saw companies like Best Buy just get dumped on. And, you know, Best Buy and Home Depot and Lowe's, that's where a lot of people buy their refrigerators and the washers and dryers. It isn't that it concerns are unwarranted, um, but J.P. Morgan analyst Michael Rehal noted that internet transactions account for about 12% to 13% of the U.S. appliance purchases. Um, and it's growing. At least 30% of the transactions in the United States um, the UK and China. So when you look at the whole, you see appliances are fairly, not small at 13%, but when you look at the, the more developed com- countries, you're saying, whoa. So there's a lot of room for online appliance sales to grow. And grow they will, and Amazon will be a winner. Over time, just one to two years, it's expected the online retailer Amazon could very well become a major significant seller of appliances. Um... So everyone seems to be in the sights. Sears will continue to handle the delivery and servicing of Kenmore appliances, which, I again, I like. I, I hate saying that because I always feel that in Sears, you, you'd go in their stores and it was like a, a football field. And you're like, I just need the world's tiniest screwdriver. For whatever reason, <laughs> you've got something that, you know, maybe a clock or something that fell apart. And like, you need this, uh, the world's tiny. And you're in Sears and you're like, hello, is anyone here? And you're like, I could put everything in my pocket and walk out of the store and no one would know. And like all these thoughts go to your head, like, I wonder if like they're all being held at gunpoint and back, and you're like, nobody would know. Um, so Amazon, being Amazon now is turning into a term, right? But you also can learn how to play with them. So like I said, Sears is starting to learn, you know, hey, we don't need those big physical stores. We just want to sell the appliances and service them. Um, and the more appliances they serve, the better prices they get from their distributors and their dealers, things along those lines. Um, so Amazon doesn't mean customers are going to want, you know, a brand new brand. People kind of like the Kenmore brand. Although there's some conspiracy theorists out there that say like, you know, washers and dryers are being built cheaper because they're being built overseas. So they're breaking sooner and it, it benefits the industry. And like, whoa, I don't know if I believe in every conspiracy theory out there, but Kenmore appliances aren't sold at Home Depot, Lowe's, or Best Buy. So the most likely victim of the Sears Amazon hookup could very well be Sears because sometimes you would go into a Sears store and buy a washer or dryer and you'd go, Hey, look, a hammock. Now you have no need or no desire, or no want for a hammock, but suddenly you're like, Hey, look, a hammock. And you kind of buy into that. 
So the drops in Best Buy, Home Depot, and Lowe's. Uh, when it was announced that Amazon had to deal with Sears to sell Kenmore washers and dryers, they tumbled 4%, 5%, 6%. And maybe it's a buying opportunity because, again, some people are going to want to go out there and look at product. And, again, the Kenmore product wasn't sold at those guys. Um, it's funny because whenever washer, dryer, refrigerator, dishwasher fails for me, I do go to like consumer reports and try to find the best one. Or I go to like the Home Depot or the Best Buy website and see who's got the highest rating or who's got the most units sold with the highest rating. And it's silly. It's really silly. Um, for big drops, anytime Amazon announces a new category, you look for opportunities. And Best Buy looks like the best opportunity. While Home Depot and Lowe's have been relatively immune to the Amazon effect, Best Buy has been there numerous times. Now, I like, I like Home Depot for the long-term patient investor based on the housing market in the United States and based on what the product they have and how there's always people there, especially on weekends. Best Buy's ability to compete with Amazon has been recognized by the market. And sometimes you see them winning uh, and having a good year. Something to think about. Who are the winners and losers when you get Amazon? I'm Rob Black, talking stock. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Dow hits up triple digits at the open today. Caterpillar 3M and others doing quite well, leading the Dow into record territory again. Whoa, let's talk about it. Bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. Now, I saw recently that you won a big award. Can we talk about that? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you won. Um, you, how did that, how, tell me how this all came about. Well, um, so the award you're referring to was the uh, Market Watch's top economic forecaster of the month. Uh, and it was for the month of September. So uh, in addition to <clears throat> some of the other things I do at briefing.com, you know, like page one and the big picture, which oftentimes is more stock market-centric, um, although the big picture obviously uh, dips into the realm of economics every now and then, um, I also provide the uh, economic forecast for the briefing.com economic calendar. So, and it just turned out, I guess, that uh, the forecasts that I provided for September were were better than a lot of forecasts that other people provided. <laughs> so, that has to feel uh, so pretty good. It has to feel pretty good because at times a lot of people think that Wall Street feels like a game, but there is a lot of math and a lot of science that goes into a calm understanding of what direction we're moving. Right. Well, I joked, uh, you know, I don't have a Ph.D., so I guess uh, I, I might have saved myself six years and uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars in education <laughs> by, by not doing that and still uh, still won that award for that particular month. But I guess it also would be remiss not to add that it's the first time I've won that award, which is to say that, uh, you know, um, I've, I've learned, like many others, that economic forecasting is a very humbling endeavor. With that said, let's talk about... Um market forecasts and it feels like the market's ahead of itself i'm going with it maybe we'll have a less of a good year next year and kind of balance things out but are you feeling that there's too much momentum because turning on the television this morning on bloomberg and seeing the dow is going to open up triple digits i was like whoa 
Uh, didn't we just hit a big round number, and now we're moving towards another big round number? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, and it's driven, though, today, I mean, by the very factor that you'd want it to be driven by, which is really better-than-expected earnings news and <clears throat> and better-than-expected guidance. Um, yeah. You know, it's particularly encouraged by, you know, what Caterpillar and 3M both said, you know, two industrial companies, um, you know, uh, and both of them talked about increasing end demand across all product segments and across all geographic regions in which they operate. Uh, and that's encouraging commentary, and it, it fits very neatly into the whole uh, reflation theme that we that has helped push up stock prices here in recent weeks and which is starting to weigh more on treasury prices. So, you you know, you want to hear uh, companies talk about an improved earnings momentum, and that's necessary really to help validate this move that we've seen in the stock market. And granted, you know, valuations look full, <clears throat> um, in, but you need to have that good earnings news uh, to support those full valuations. And, and currently, the market isn't finding any real incentive to to abandon its bullish bias because even though market rates have creeped up some of late, you know they remain relatively low, and you've got good earnings growth still shining through from some of your most important industrial companies, and um, you know, and of course you still have the this whole idea of tax reform hanging out there, and, and there appears to be, if nothing else, some momentum in the narrative that you could see something get done before the end of the year in that, on that front. And so what we talked about a few weeks ago, Rob, you know, when Warren Buffett said, look, I'm not selling because I think in a few months' time I could get the benefit of a lower tax rate and sell then. And I think that that continues to be a real important source of support here uh, for the market uh, as we move through the fourth quarter. Interesting stuff. Now, let's talk about the fourth quarter. Well, let's talk about earnings season. Uh, we've seen some, just across the board so far, some banks come out better than expected. Uh, but today, it's Caterpillar and 3M. But it's also a lot of other companies that are coming out and, and showing just real strong result, results. Um, this is a busy week for earnings season. Uh, do you think that kind of earnings momentum can continue? Because I don't think we were looking for this solid of a number of growth of earnings or... Is it one of the ones that we were over-promised and they cut expectations, and uh, it just feels like we're beating lowered expectations? Yeah. Well, it, it's certainly going to be the latter case, uh, which is which is status quo, really. I mean, that's how Wall right. Street operates and how the market reacts. Uh, you have analysts that oftentimes will lower their numbers uh, just in front of the reporting period, and that has to do in large part with the fact that they have more complete source information that they that they use as inputs in their models and uh, than they do at the start of a quarter. And so you oftentimes see those estimates come down, and then lo and behold, you see the companies come out um, and, and surpass those lowered earnings expectations, oftentimes helped in, uh, to a certain extent by share buyback activity that sometimes can be difficult to model for. Um, and uh, and a lower tax rate. So there sometimes are issues surrounding the quality of the earnings reports, but the fact of the matter is, is that S&P 500 companies in aggregate almost always come out and uh, and report a final earnings growth rate that's roughly about 2 to 3 percentage points above the consensus growth rate going into the reporting period. Um, so what we've seen, though, lately is that, you know, the actual uh, blended growth rate for the third quarter, according to FactSet, is, is 1.7%. 
So that's not that's not like super strong by any means, uh, but you're seeing stronger revenue growth, and at the same time, you're also seeing analysts hold fast to double-digit growth expectations for the fourth quarter and the first quarter, and that's what's really, I think, keeping the market um, uh, supported as well. So you're not seeing a real strong reaction to the to the earnings news overall in, in a number of cases because a lot of stocks have run up ahead of those really strong reports. But at the same time, you're not seeing any real conviction on the selling side or the profit-taking side uh, because investors are cognizant. I think that uh, you're going to see stronger earnings growth in the next few quarters. And again, like we talked about, uh, there's not an incentive right now for a lot of people to take profits because they want to potentially uh, they want to see if you potentially see a lower tax rate in the coming months. I want to ask a specific question. I don't know if this is appropriate, but today I'm seeing McDonald's hit um, an all-time high, and I see that it's up roughly 90% in the last five years, and it's one of the big leaders this year. And yet, between you and me, we can candidly say we wouldn't let our children eat there. It's considered child abuse. It's the last kind of resort for food. Is it really food? Calling it a restaurant is kind of silly. Um, does it make any sense that a company like a McDonald's can hit a 52-week high and maybe even extrapolate that into this is one of the reasons why individuals shouldn't use their personal biases picking stocks because I'm biased against McDonald's and yet it's one of the greatest stocks of all time. Right. Well, I, you know, I have to, uh, full disclosure here, I'm not biased against McDonald's, frankly. So I have contributed okay. to those strong same-store sales results, uh, Rob, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but, you Some know, look, snob. It, it, <laughs> the, the thing about McDonald's, though, is, that, of course, it's uh, it's quick and it's affordable. And uh, and while there are some obviously knocks against the nutritional aspects of what McDonald's can offer, uh, it, people are busy, right? Uh, dual income households uh, running around chasing kids, chasing jobs, not a lot of time, uh, and then frankly, not a lot of disposable you know income left over. Uh, and so. Right. McDonald's has a value proposition there that uh, that checks off, you know, some boxes for a lot of busy people, and I think it's it's showing up in the results. Um, uh, they have made efforts to improve their their nutritional offerings, and uh, at the same time, they are receiving the benefit now of a weaker dollar, uh, and uh, and that strong value proposition that they continue to offer. Speaking of which, let's talk weaker dollar. That's one area that I don't play terribly smart with. Um, I just don't get it. It's tough for me to explain it on radio. It's tough for me to feel. How do I describe that to listeners so they don't get confused? How much do you factor in weaker dollars when talking about record highs and uh, market outlooks and maybe even specific stock ideas? Well, I think, you know, over the long term, it kind of balances itself off, you know, because, um, you know, it, it, it becomes cyclical in some ways. You have periods when the dollar is weaker and periods when it's stronger. And, and over the long term, I think it, it kind of evens itself out. So uh, it's it's the short-term swing factors that, that come into play. So And you're hearing that right now uh, from some of these multinational companies that they talk about, you know, the impact of foreign exchange. And, and so on a quarterly basis, you know, it does account uh, for something uh, when you have a, a weaker or a stronger dollar. And right now, uh, the trend in the dollar has been, um, you know, weaker for the most part this year. And companies that do business overseas are, are getting the benefit of that uh, from a translation effect. And you're seeing that show up, I think, uh, 
partly you know, what I talked about is that you're seeing stronger revenue growth overall for the S&P 500, and that's being helped in large part by a lot of these um, multinational companies. Sounds good. We've got about 45 seconds left, so I'm going to just go ahead and plug briefing. Thanks very much. Uh, briefing.com is a great source of information, both domestic and international. It's not unbiased. Um, you can start your day there as I start my day there uh, with page one. I think it's a great way to start the markets, but there's a lot of information like story stocks, some of the coming IPOs. You can see what's hot. Um, as far as getting investor interest going, you can see some technical ideas. You can see some dividend plays. Uh, there's too much to explain in under a minute, but check out briefing.com and Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com. And congratulations on winning that award. I think that's pretty darn cool. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. A friend of mine went to a concert the other day called Electric Guest. Sent some video to me. And uh, I looked at the lead singer and I was like, whoa. He's funky. He's fun. He's he's right on. He's he's fab. Like he was doing all that in a bucket of chicken. He was like he had the fun dance moves. He had the entertain the crowd. And uh, long story short, I love a good lead singer. Now this is dude in the lion suit and jacket. Um, I kind of tried to put a lot of effort into the music of this show. Me and Mike. Mike's my producer. He's also known as. Are you number nine or number ten? Ten. Number ten. And. The many years that I've worked here, he's the 10th producer. Keep in mind, one has died. One's got kidney failure. It doesn't look pretty for him. One's Bye-bye. moved on. Another's moved on. Yeah, longevity doesn't run in the, in the position, but... I'm out of here. Uh, I'm always pleased that he's here. And uh, Suit and Jacket says, I ain't trading my dreams for no 401k, and I ain't giving this fire for a cold, cold heart. So don't say I'm getting colder, because I'll say it when I do. Um, some of us survive, and some of us just roam, and some of us just hope, and the world will move more slowly. I do love a good lead singer, but not a good lead singer who says, I ain't trading my dreams for no 401k. Got to have your 401k. And then you tie your dreams to that. And I'm not saying financially speaking, because I've met some people from France. I know you're saying France. And you get some global perspectives when you meet people from other areas. And then she, she's like, um, yes, Robert, when people talk to me, they say... I said, I'm from France. I'm from Paris. And they go, I've been to London and I like Big Ben. And she goes, but, but. She keeps her mouth shut. And she thinks to herself, she goes, but, but. Big Ben is in London and all of Europe is not one country. And she talks about how the differences between community. The word community in Europe means like the Islamic community lives in this neighborhood. The Christian community lives in that neighborhood. But there's no sense of community where it's like, yeah, me and my neighbor, we're going to fry up some uh, some barbecue uh, turkey for Thanksgiving. And uh, there's none of that. There's there's more of an individualistic approach. Um, people are very much so individual, and the idea of community is, is kind of foreign. And she goes, the other thing that she noted, she goes, Robert, Monsieur Robert, I want to tell you, your obsession with the 4th of July is fascinating. Because we in France, we will wear red, white, and blue when we win the World Cup. Which is not very often. It's not very often, Roberto. Robert. Robert. Must know my French. And she goes, it's not very often, but we will wear it when we win the World Cup. And on occasion, like red, white, and blue to the French. Soccer blue. They just got Neymar, didn't they? It it, it 
it means uh, very it means very cult, uh, uh, right wing. It's it's the right conservatives like wave the flag. Liberals not so much, and I'm more of a liberal. She goes, but on Fourth of July here, it's like an explosion. You should wear a red, white, and blue bikini. And she goes, I could wear a red, white, bikini in France, but I do not. She goes, you come out of your house in L.A. and everyone's wearing red, white, and blue, and they have flags in their car, and you celebrate your country. But anyway, different perspectives, right? And that's kind of important because when it comes to the United States, millennials have a different perspective on real estate investing than Generation X, than baby boomers. And I think that's worthy of note. And the only thing that I push on the show, Tony, is let's get people to save and invest enough so they're not buying a car that depreciates. They're not buying a watch that depreciates. I was on a plane yesterday, and uh, this guy gave me the stink eyeball. He just gave me the stink eyeball. And it was just funny because I started like looking him up and down. I'm like, okay, so he's 25 years old. He's a punk. He's low income. Probably doesn't have a college degree. He's probably feeling a little intimidated in life. But he's got the But he's got watch. a nice watch. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably got a pretty kick-butt car, all things considered, or at least wheels on a pretty crappy car, but the wheels are worth more than the car. And he was giving me this attitude, and I figured out what it was afterwards, <laughs> and I thought it was all about him being like disenfranchised and stuff like that, but he was watching Baby Boss, and he was like a 25-year-old dude, and he's watching Baby Boss, and here's the worst part about it. It had Chinese subtitles, so he had stolen it. <laughs> Couldn't even afford to rent. Couldn't even afford to do the right thing and rent the movie properly. A bootleg movie. A bootleg movie. So anyway, back to you. Let's talk mortgages. Perspective. Um, you have a different perspective than your parents. You have a different mm-hmm. perspective than your brother. And you even have a twin brother. Um, your twin brother bought a lot of real estate in a beach town, and that's great. But he probably wishes he had bought a lot of real estate in California or in even his own home market. Um, so he's got these rental properties. wishes he had a 401k or an IRA as well. Yep. He is definitely one of those type of investors that doesn't use or doesn't mix retirement in the same sentence, not even the same paragraph as real estate. Uh, They are real estate. They're both real estate professionals. Um, and they would consider themselves doing pretty well. And that was their angle and that, their perspective on their retirement. So they basically put all their eggs in that basket. So I got an email. And I, can, I got real mail from PennyMac because I'm going to throw all my mail coming back after a flight. And it says, with interest rates becoming increasingly volatile in recent weeks, time may be running out for you to take advantage of today's historically low-rate environment on cash-out refinances. That's something you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, we do. Home equity, lines of credit. Lines of credit, cash out loans. 30-year mortgages, 15-year mortgages, 7-year mortgages. Commercial, construction, yep. do everything. Real estate has its place with investments. Investments have its place with real estate. I think that's what the show was all about today. And uh, be patient. Have a good mind. Mm-hmm. Look. Try to figure out what's right for you. And have perspective of the French person. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means, but it is what it is. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob Black Show. Anytime there's a seminar coming up, use code RADIO25 to get in for free. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.